Am I making any sense at all? Everybody's staring at me like I got a booger in my nose. Well, well you do, and it's a, it's a big one. It's a nasty one. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. I hope he's wearing pants this week. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. Most of you are probably unaware of this, but I am a deceiver. As a matter of fact, I've worked hard over the years to try to improve my ability to deceive. Not only that, I happen to know that both Dan and Nat are also prone to the art of deception. So what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about fishing. Fishing is the art of deception. As a fisherman, I'm trying to convince the fish that this piece of plastic I'm dangling in front of them is really good for them. If I fool them, they take the bait, and I win. The Bible actually uses the Greek word that means to bait a hook to describe temptation. Typically in our English Bible, it's translated entice. We are being enticed, tempted to take the bait to lure us away from God's ways to a way that is ultimately destructive. And who is the ultimate deceiver? Jesus said, not only is the devil a liar, he's the father of lies. He is the master fisherman when it comes to destroying lives. This should not come as a surprise given the fact that he makes his appearance as the master deceiver in only the third chapter of the Bible. Our text today is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I would describe Genesis 3 to be as sad as chapters 1 and 2 were wonderful. Satan comes as a serpent. Now, there's debate as to whether the serpent is to be taken literally or more figuratively, like a title. Either way, his intentions are clear. But how do you tempt someone who literally has it all? What could he possibly offer Adam and Eve? In simple terms, more. As much as they had, he set out to convince them they could still have more. The strategy to lead Adam and Eve away from God started by questioning the goodness of God. Perhaps God isn't as good as you think he is. Maybe he's less generous and more restrictive than you realize. The serpent asks, didn't God say you shall not eat from any trees of the garden? Of course that's a lie. God said almost the opposite. Of any of the trees, you may eat freely. Eve responds, but her answer is troubling. She doesn't quote God correctly. Her answer makes God seem less generous and more restrictive. The serpent is slowly causing Eve to doubt the goodness of God. This is always the way the game is played. The enemy gets us to doubt the goodness of God because of this circumstance or maybe that problem. We start to think if God is so good, how come this happened? Or how come this doesn't happen? 
Maybe God isn't so good. Maybe God isn't fair. Maybe God doesn't even like me. Little by little, God seems more restrictive and less generous. Life with God will be less, not more. We lose sight of the truth that God wants us to have more. Next, the serpent tells Eve, there won't really be consequences to her disobedience. God's just trying to scare you. You won't die, he lies. Eve is wearing down. She's listening to the lies. Finally comes the biggest lie of all. You could be your own God. You can decide what is right and wrong. Certainly life will be better with you in charge. Now this is a brilliant strategy by the serpent. It worked then. It still works today. First we begin to doubt the goodness of God. Then we begin to see God as more restrictive and less generous. We think God wants us to have less, not more. Then we downplay the consequences of our disobedience. And finally, we believe life would be better if I was in charge, functioning as my own God. The serpent is the fisherman, skillfully trying to get Adam and Eve to bite on his hook. If they believe his lies, he can hook them and reel them in. It will be paradise lost. And of course, that's exactly what happens. They disobey and they eat of the forbidden fruit. Immediately, their eyes were open. They knew they'd been had. Their first instinct was to hide from God because they were now covered with the shame of their sin. Now what? We'll find out in the next episode. For now, it's good to understand these are the exact same lies the enemy uses today. We start to doubt the goodness of God, and we wrongly believe life will be better with me in charge functioning as my own God. I'll decide what is right and wrong. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. And in believing the lies, we miss the life God wants for us. We make a mess of things. Then we wake up one morning and we wonder, how did this happen? It happened because you believe the lies that define our culture. Let's bring in Dan and Nat, and let's talk about this. So over lots of years of preaching, I would say far and away, this particular text in Genesis is one I refer back to more often than any other text in the Old Testament. Hmm. This idea that we can be our own God and decide for ourselves what's right and wrong Hmm. and how we're going to live is the biggest temptation we face as people made in the image of God. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's a painful text to read because you go, how how could you possibly— have been so enticed. You had paradise. You walked with God. You had intimacy. You had everything. But slowly, bit by bit, gave up the ground, and they sinned. And you just go, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. But then I think about my own life. 
<laughs> and I think, I know. I know God has the best for me. He's given me great freedom, great amount of love. I know what I should do. I can go to church, listen to a great sermon. I can read the Bible, and I can turn around and yell at my wife or rebuke and shame my child. And I go, what have I done? I know what's right. And so I guess I'm really not that different than Adam and Eve, but it's a painful passage to read. You know, the the scary thing about deceit is when you're being deceived, you don't know you're being deceived. Hmm. You think you're right, but you're not. And that's that's the whole idea of these lies right. is is to be convinced this is the better path, hmm. but it's not. You know, everybody thinks that they can, uh, well, I know what's good. You know, there was a song, it's an old country song I came across a long time ago about, uh, why me, Lord, what I ever do, <laughs> you know, and then... Uh, he just talks about, I got it. I, thanks for getting me out of this, but I got it now. I, I'll see you in another year mm. when I need you. And then he goes, I'll make a mess of the whole darn thing and mm. come running back to you. That's just that's just what happens. We we uh, we think that we can handle everything on our own, and until people can understand that. This life cannot be lived with themselves in charge. Um, they're going to have a lot of hard lessons to learn. Um, like three years ago, I got like a melanoma in my eye. You know, I had a melanoma in my eye. And right then you go, well, I'm not in charge really of anything. Hmm. I, can't, I can't do anything about this. You know, only only uh, God above knows what's going on. I think people that have experiences like that realize, man, I'm not in charge hmm. of this life. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are wealthy and have everything going for them. That's always a, a thing that I always uh think about in the Bible, because people think that if you're wealthy, uh, you can't be a good Christian person. But that's not that's not what it, it's saying. You know, people generally that are wealthy, they don't, the reason the Bible, in my opinion, you can say if I'm wrong, but it's me talking, is it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven than is a camel to get the eye of a needle. Because if you're wealthy and you have everything going for you, you don't need God. You don't think you need God. That's why it's hard for a wealthy man to get into heaven. They don't ever call on God for anything. They don't think they need him. They think their wealth can get them anything they want until, boom, they get struck down with a debilitating disease that's going to kill them. Then they realize, ah, I need help. And... So Satan deceives us all the time, thinking that we're in charge. But when it boils down to it, uh, when something happens and you know that you're not in charge, something <laughs> at some point in your life is going to hammer you, and you're going to understand that you're not in charge. And I, I think what uh, the point of this whole thing right now, this message that you're saying now is, we need to come to a realization early 
that uh, we were created by God, and he is in charge. He knows what's going on. It's up to us to call out to him, let him know that we love him and that we know that he's in charge, and that a lot of times we can't do things on our own. We always need to stay in touch with him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard it's a hard thing. People want to be in control of their own lives. I know what I'm doing. Let me handle it. It never really works out good, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good message right there. So let's let's go back to this idea of the goodness of God, doubting the goodness of God, because I think this is pretty fundamental. Is people need to think about: Do I think? God's way will result in more or less. So think about it this way. If you go to the mall and you find a group of middle schoolers and you talk to them about surrendering their life to Christ, do you think they're going to think that's going to result in more or less? And you get a sense of how effective the enemy is because they're going to think, I have to give up this, I have to give up this, I have to give up this, mm-hmm. I have to give up this. Mm-hmm. And you can see the lie that life will be less if I do it God's way. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what was happening in Genesis 3. God's not as good as you think he is. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in charge, it's going to be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard a theologian say that sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And it's fascinating how sin can be so enticing, and but it always disappoints. It, it never fulfills the promise. The cost is so high. Absolutely. It, and it doesn't matter if it's sexual sin or whether it's abusing your body or, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it always fails. It never uh, fulfills the promise that it sells, but yet we keep going back and doing the same thing over and over again. At least I do. I mean, I'm you know sitting among some pretty pretty you know spiritually elite guys here, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm just you know it's amazing how often I look at at that lie at that bait and I go this time it's actually going to be good. <laughs> it really is the worm this time, and every time it's like nope. Well, I think you're right. People think that. Well, I'm not ready. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not ready yet. I'm, I'm having too much fun doing. I think people think that their entire personality is good. Their entire being is going to change. They're going to walk around like a zombie singing uh, Kumbaya and under his wings. And that's not what it's about at all. You're still going to be you. God made you you. He made you with that personality. He made you that way. He's not going to change your... The only thing that is going to change is the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. And you're going to start to understand gradually as God works in you things that you shouldn't do that's probably not good for you and things that you should be doing. You know, he's going to start weeding out the garbage in your life that is going to be detrimental to you in your walk and in your life later on. I think people think that they're going to be a completely different person. And you are the way you're acting, 
but you're still going to be you. You still have the same personality mm-hmm. God made you with. You know, I mean, for instance, just in myself, I haven't really, I haven't changed. I still enjoy laughing. I still enjoy being funny. I still, en- but the more I grow in Jesus Christ, the more I begin to get convicted about things in my life and things that I do in my life. And then he goes, well, I guess God's telling me I that's not good. Hmm. So maybe I shouldn't do this. Hmm. So I don't do it. And that's how you grow. And that's it, it doesn't happen overnight. Your your whole your if you believe in Jesus and accept Jesus, all of a sudden you're not gonna be like, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to live. That's not how it works. You're gonna be the same person. You're just gonna start being sanctified inside and understanding things differently in your life. Things that are gonna be things that would be detrimental to you normally, mm. you would understand. Like when I write jokes. Like when I write jokes now, I'll write a joke and I'll and I'm literally like it's hilarious, <laughs> but I'll go. You know what? For some reason, I don't feel comfortable hmm. telling that joke, so I don't do it. You know, some things I and some I don't. But I've never felt that way in my entire life. I wrote a joke. I just did it. But the more that I stay in the Bible, the more that I have the Holy Spirit working in me, the more I, wow, maybe I should, I see myself growing. That's what it'll do for you. You'll see yourself growing for the better. Mm. It's so freeing. It's for the better, you know? Yeah. Am I making any sense at all? Everybody's staring at me like I got a booger in my nose. Well, well you do, <laughs> and it's a, it's a big one. It's a nasty one. No, but you know. <laughs> well, I didn't we, know that. We, we, we cannot forget Jesus's words. I came so that you might have life to the fullest. Absolutely. None of us in this room right now would say that our life is is restricted or worse off by us following Jesus. Absolutely it's free. not. not it's at full. All. It's enjoyable. Because, you know, yes, we mess up. Yes, we screw up. Yes, we still sin. But when we follow God's design for life, when we trust his goodness, we don't have to worry about what we put on our taxes. We don't have to worry about what we said to this person or that person. We don't have to worry about those things because there is freedom and life to the fullest when we trust God and when we obey him. We're still us. You're still you. I'm still me, Brian, still Brian. We're a bunch of deceivers in a good way. We're out fishing, living life. But we do it without the worry and without the guilt. That's free. That's what God offers us. The question is, will we believe it? Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth. To hear Brian's complete sermon message on today's topic, click on the link in our description. Today's Talkin' Truth is powered by Go Tandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download Go Tandem today and get spiritually fit. Get it done.